on his right and one on his left. Now, let's just stop there for a quick minute because we have two criminals. This is very important to, to know because I think it's easy, like, oh, there's just some really bad guys. Oh, they actually deserve to die, but Jesus was with them. Uh, but what's happening, there is a miracle that has taken place during the scene of the crucifixion. And it's an amazing miracle, and that's what we're going to talk about over the next few moments. But I want to give you some history on who these criminals were. Uh, if you can study history just for a little bit, we can know that these criminals were like the lowest of the low criminals. Like, they were like the worst of the worst. They were like the scum of the earth type of criminals. You think the worst criminal that you know, these guys were them. That's how bad these guys were. And so they deserved death by crucifixion. Now, death by crucifixion is actually reserved for the worst of the worst criminals. Not everyone get executed by the cross. And this is why. It was super expensive to do so. In fact, this is why, this is why it was reserved. It was, uh, in today's uh, time, it'd be like death by lethal ejection or, uh, or the electric chair. It's just super costly. They had to have four Roman soldiers per person plus a head guy per person. And when they crucified people, it was multiple people. It wasn't always just the three like on the Easter story. And death by crucifixion didn't happen just a few hours. It would actually take multiple days. And so these guys would be pierced to the cross and over the next few days, be driven mad by the heat and the animals will come and tear out their skin while they're alive. And it was a horrible, horrible, excruciating pain. And in fact, that's what the word excruciating means. It means pain from the cross, taken from the cross. That's where we get that word excruciating. And so when Pilate decided to have Jesus crucified, it was a huge and bold statement. It was saying, you know what? Uh, the people are telling me to crucify you. They, they want the worst of the worst so they can make a mockery out of you. So that's exactly what we're going to do. And so they hung Jesus there with two on each side. But scripture continues in verse 39. And I want to read this. Go ahead and read it along with me. It says this. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. He said, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Jesus, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is actually one of my favorite stories in scripture. Uh, it, it, there's a miracle happening in the midst of a horrible scene. I think too many times we rush to uh, kind of like the empty tomb story. And we're going to talk about that here at the end of the, the message. But I want you to see something here because we get a picture of how Jesus works. We actually get a picture of how heaven operates. Because what we see here and what we read actually debunks one of the biggest myths that we believe when it comes to heaven. And it's this. Good people go to heaven. One of the biggest lies out there in Christianity. Good people go to heaven. And so we say that, but we really don't know how good we are. In fact, many a lot of times we, we, we go to the scale of goodness and we say, oh, well, well, maybe if you're 25, then you can slip your way into heaven. Or maybe if you're 30, 40, and 50, yeah, it, it might be a little rough, but you can get past St. Peter. 
Or maybe if you're like an 80, 90, like for sure you are going to heaven. Like if you're that good, why wouldn't he let you into heaven? Like for sure you would be in heaven. But that's actually, if you read the scripture that we just read, it debunks all of that. Because here's the left hook of today's message. Good people do not go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. Good people do not go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And let me tell you this, because it's really quiet in this room. That's actually good news. That's very, very good news. Because here's the reality of things. None of us are good enough. None of us are good enough. In fact, the Bible says that, that we all fall short of the glory of God and that God alone is good. And because we've fallen short from that, meaning that we're not perfect enough to go to heaven, it says that there's a, a bill that needs to be paid. There's a penalty that needs to be paid. And the way to pay it is through the death sentence. But because what we're celebrating this morning is that Jesus actually paid that bill in full so that you don't have to pay that. That is why this is good news, because really, we're not good enough. Newsflash, I'm not good enough, and I'm the pastor. We're, none of us are good enough. And so if you actually rate us and compare us to the scale of goodness and really compare to Jesus, who's the perfect 100, we will fall short every single time. Every single time. But here's the cool thing. Even though I'm not good enough, I am forgiven. I know without a shadow of a doubt that I can stand here today knowing with my sin and all, God knows all of it. And he sees me through his son's blood and says, do you know what? I'm going to make you that 100 through my son, Jesus. See, that's the good news with all of this. And that we are truly forgiven. And here's the thing. I'm forgiven, and you can be forgiven too. So over the next few moments, I just want to give you two thoughts on what a forgiven person looks like. And then at the end of service, I want to, I want to give you a choice, whether you've been in a relationship with Jesus the entire time, or maybe you're brand new here to the Rock Church. But let me give you two things on what it looks like to be forgiven and show you exactly what that means. You see, the first one is this. Uh, anyone that is forgiven, the forgiven one admits that they're wrong. The forgiven one admits that they're wrong. Look at the criminal who's talking on the cross and what he said. He said, the criminal protests. He says, don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. He's saying this. He says, you know, we're actually the criminals here. We're the one that did wrong. We're the one that deserves this cross. We're the one that deserves this death penalty. But this guy between us, who they call Jesus, he's not guilty of anything. I'm the guilty one. In essence, church, he's saying, I'm the one that has sinned. I'm the one that deserves this punishment. The thing today is that we have a hard time admitting we've done wrong. Don't we? I mean, at least for me, I don't like admitting that I'm wrong. In fact, I do quite the opposite. I go back to the scale of goodness and I say, I'm not wrong because if I look at that person who was a 15, at least I'm better than him. Or at least that person that was a 30 or a 40, I know I'm better than him. So, so I didn't quite do anything wrong. I'm just, I, I may have messed up just a little bit. 
We kind of sugarcoat the sin that we, have, that we have done wrong. And we get caught in that comparison trap, comparing ourselves to others. And let me tell you, it's easy to compare ourselves to others and actually rate us above average. Oh, I know this is hard to hear, but this is something that, that we need to know. In fact, uh, <laughs> I, I get reminded all the time of how bad I am. All the time. Which is, it's not that bad. But uh, I, remember, I remember one time in seventh grade that I knew like I was a horrible person. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm just not a good person. And so it was seventh grade, and at our middle school, we had a school store where you can go and you can like buy a candy bar for a dollar, right? And so my friends, they would have dollars and they can go get candy bars. But the problem was, is I didn't have a dollar and I wanted a candy bar. Never had one. My parents had never given me a dollar. They said, you don't need candy bars at 8 in the morning. I'm like, you don't know nothing. And so I'm like, I want what I want, yada, yada, yada. And I, so there's this one particular day where I came home sulking. I'm like, oh, like, I really want candy bar. Like, why is this such a big deal? And so I go home, and I'm sulking, and I find out my grandma's coming to visit. And I don't know about you, but when I was young, my, my grandma was rich. I mean, she would prove it by going to the dollar store and handing out, like, $1 bills like it was nothing. Like, here, buy yourself the entire Dollar Tree. It doesn't matter. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, my, like my grandma's coming. She gives gifts. I mean, surely she'd give her awesome, sweet Vaughn of a grandson uh, a $1 bill. And so I go over there, and I, I'm sweet little Vaughn, and I'm kind of buttering up. And lo and behold, uh, grandma didn't give me nothing. <laughs> her scale of goodness went way down. So, uh, oh, that was funny. Come on. Uh, but so I'm like, okay, whatever. So I go sulking and I go to bed and I wake up the next day and I'm getting ready and I see my grandma's purse laying open on the table and there's a green piece of paper sticking out. I'm like, hmm, what could that be? So I walk over there and I saw this green piece of paper had numbers on it and the number on it wasn't a one, it wasn't a five, it wasn't even a 10, it was the big 20. It was the big 20. And so immediately I'm thinking there with the choice. I mean, do I take this? Do I, what do I do? It was kind of like the, the devil on one shoulder and the angel on this shoulder. I will tell you, I did not listen to that angel. I listened to the devil. And so I, my, my brain immediately went to imagining the scene, walking up to the counter with the $20 bill, laying it down like I'm at the blackjack table. and thinking, 20 on all the candy bars. And so I get there, and they're going to give me 20 candy bars, and I get myself one, I give all my friends one, and they lift me on their shoulders and chant, Vaughn, 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 Vaughn. Does anyone else fantasize like this? Is that just me? Okay, all right. All right, and so, so I'm like, okay, so you know what? I took the 20. I stole the 20. And I took it to the school store, and I bought 20 candy bars. And I got that candy bar, and I gave everyone else a candy bar. But here's the thing. I didn't realize the lady across from the counter was good friends with my mom. And she thought it was weird that Vaughn all of a sudden had $20 when his parents wouldn't give him, even give him one. So in conversation, I came up. <laughs> and I was called home, and I went home, and my mom sat me down. And usually what would happened is I would have got my butt whooped. But this time, my mom sat me down, and she says, hey, you know that 20 that you stole from your grandma? I said, sure. And she's like, that $20 wasn't for her to give to the grandkids. That was actually for her to buy her medicine that she needs. Now she doesn't have money to buy her medicine. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to hell. <laughs> like, like, I'm the worst person on this earth right now. Like, if Jesus would come back, he'd leave my butt behind. Like, that's how bad I feel right now. Like, like I stole from a poor old lady. 
And, I, and that was the day. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm just, I'm a bad person. Okay, now let's fast forward a little bit. Of course, parents took care of the $20 and all that stuff. And I found out, you know, clear after I wrestled with all the post-traumatic syndrome with my childhood from that. And I'm doing that. And like, hey, we took care of your grandma. But it still comes down to the thing. Like, I, I, I am intrinsically and naturally a bad person. And so are you. That's a very big pill to swallow. We are just naturally bad people. But if you're sitting here today and you're thinking, nah, Vaughn, <laughs> I'm way better than that. According to scale, I'm like, I'm like at least 20 above you. And so let me help you convince you that you're not. All right, let's, let's play this other game that I found, all right? This is a really fun, depressing game, but we're going to play it. All right. So all you have to do is raise your hands. This is what it goes. So if you have lied, will you raise your hands with me? Raise your hands. Come on, come on, come on, come on participate. Okay. There's some people not raising your hands. Really? I would assume everyone here has lied at least some point in their life. Okay, put your hands down. Uh, if you have stolen something, would you raise your hands? Okay, you know what that makes you? That makes you a thief. That's what it is. If you raise your hands for your liar, that makes you a liar. Uh, here's this other one. Instead of raising your hands, because this could be a little awkward, I just want you to raise your eyebrows with me. Like this. Can we do that? Okay. Uh, my, my eyebrows are cramping because I did this first service. And so, but if you have ever had a lustful thought, just raise your eyebrows. Like, don't raise them at me because that's creepy. <laughs> like, like just, just, just raise your eyebrows. Okay, okay, okay. In the Bible, in the, in the New Testament, that actually, that, that's called adultery. That's what that's called. Okay, two more, two more. Uh, raise your hand if you ever hated someone. Like, just, like, you just do not like that person. Jesus actually calls that murder in your heart. Okay, last one, last one. Uh, raise your hands if you ever put something more important before God. Like, God, uh, you can take second seat. This is a little bit more important. That's called idolatry. Okay, so all of us have raised our hands at some point or another. I will raise my hands at all of them because I've done every single one of these. Do you know what that makes you? By definition, you are a lying, thieving, adulterating, murdering idolater. Like, welcome to the Rock Church where we try to make you feel good about yourself. <laughs> like, we might lose a few people after today. But we are just, we're not naturally good people. We're not. We actually do quite the opposite. James 2.10, he, he actually says it this way. He says, for the person who keeps all the laws except one is as guilty as the person who's broken all of God's laws. He's saying that you could be the person that keeps nine out of the ten commandments, but just because you missed that one commandment, you're just as guilty as the person who never kept any of the ten commandments. And the whole thing with the law, get this, church, you know why the law was set in place to begin with? To help you realize we can't do it. Like, we are not good enough. We can't do it on our own. We can't serve enough. We can't do anything on our own effort to get ourselves in heaven. It is impossible. The moment you think you're ahead, you're going to fall back on the scale. Something's going to come up. It happens every time. We are not naturally good enough. So here's the second thing. What happens if today you've had the aha moment like, I'm not good enough. What do I, what do, I do from here? Well, let me help you out. The second one is this. You see, if you're not good enough, the forgiven person asks for eternal help. Asks for eternal help. Look at the scene of the cross again. Here's something that is new to me when I read this message. Both criminals asked for help that day. Did you realize that? 
Both criminals asked for help that day, but one asked for help in this world, and one asked for help in the next world. Look at what the first criminal said. This is what he said. He said, hanging beside him, he scoffed. He says, so you're the Messiah, aren't you? Well, prove it. Don't we do that to God? If you're really God, then prove it. Prove it by getting yourself down from that cross. And while you're at it, make my life a little better. Help me down too. It's similar to our prayers like this, church. Come on, tune in here, church. It's similar, it's similar to this. It's saying like, God, if you're really real, prove it by helping me now. Some people in this church, you might not even believe that God really exists. But man, if he did, wouldn't you want to help him in this life? And so you pray that prayer anyways. We get back up in the corner and say, God, if you're really, if you're really there, then give me that promotion. God, if you're really true, then, 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 then give me that house. Give me that spouse. Heal my sick dog. Help my sick grandma out. God, if you're really there, if you're really true, prove it by helping me out in this life. Make my life better. Now, some of those prayers aren't bad. They're not. But I want us to see the point that if we just leave God and wanting his help in this life and that's it, you're missing the entire story of Easter. In fact, that's just a little bit of the story. You see, the, the, the bigger story is with the other criminal the forgiven one, the, see, the forgiven one asks help for eternal reasons. Look what the other criminal said. He said this. He said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, he says, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. Check this out, church. I mean, this blew my mind. I, I, I hope that the light bulb will kind of go off in you spiritually and you will see this. Both thieves, both criminals were guilty. Both criminals were equally near to Christ. Both criminals saw and heard what happened during those horrible, excruciating six hours. Both criminals were suffering severely. Both criminals were dying and needed forgiveness. But only one recognized his need for forgiveness and the other one did not and the reality of things church me and you were one of these two criminals hanging on the cross we're one of these two criminals even in the service you'll sit side by side side by side like right next to you Side by side, one of you will have your eyes open spiritually and you'll realize your need for Jesus Christ and you'll call upon the name of God and he's going to come and he's going he's to turn your life into a new creation. He's going to give you forgiveness and mercy and grace and your life here and for eternity will be forever changed. But maybe the person sitting next to you, you're going to hear, you're going to hear the same message you heard the same worship, the same prayers, the, 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 the same atmosphere, the exact same experience than this person sitting next to you. And after this, you're just going to go, check. See you at Christmas time. My prayer is that you will see 
the true story of Easter and realize that we are all in need of forgiveness. And that this thing that we do is not just something, a checklist, but it's actually a relationship, a forgiving relationship. The thing is, because of what Jesus did on the cross, no matter where you are on the scale of goodness, Jesus will always make up that difference. Because remember, when you compare yourself to Jesus, you'll never amount to that. So if you're a 20, do not worry, because if you ask for forgiveness, Jesus will make up that 80 and make you perfect in God's eyes. Even if you are an 80, you are still falling short of the glory of God. But don't worry, because if you ask for forgiveness, God will make it up with that extra 20, and you will be 100 in God's eyes. This is the story of Easter. He loves you that much that he would send his son to die for your benefit. Do not miss this. No one is good enough. Romans 3.20 says this. Check this out. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. Thank you, Jesus. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. But we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus placing our faith in Jesus. And this is true, not just for the pastor, not just for you, but every single person in this world. This is Easter. This is what this is all about. When it comes to being forgiven and spending life in heaven, it's not about doing enough. You can't be good enough to get into heaven. You can't give enough to get to heaven. You can't serve enough to get into heaven. You can't go to church enough to get into heaven. All you can do is recognize, just like that criminal did, recognize that you need help with your sin and all. And you need forgiveness. Look at the life of the criminal that, was re that received forgiveness. Look at his life. I love this. The criminal, he couldn't walk the straight and narrow. His feet were bound to the cross. The, cr the criminal, he couldn't perform good works. His hands were tied and pierced to the cross. He couldn't turn over a new leaf and start a brand new life. He was dying. He couldn't join a church. He couldn't get off the cross. But what he could do is realize his need of a Savior. He has his eyes open spiritually. He did absolutely nothing in his life to let him wake up in paradise with Jesus. Absolutely nothing. But he placed his faith in Jesus. And he received that forgiveness. Because this is the reality. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. I am forgiven. Many of you are forgiven. Some of you are sitting here and you haven't experienced that forgiveness. But don't worry, you can this is for everyone. And it's all because Jesus died a criminal's death. He was completely innocent. He was put in a tomb for, for three days. And on the third morning, there's two women that came running up to the tomb, expecting to see a dead Jesus laying there. But they saw the tomb rolled away, and they were freaking out, wondering, where's Jesus? Did they take his body? And two angels appeared and said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is risen. He is out, and he's going out, and he wants to change your life. This is Easter. And so they went, and they went and told two disciples. 
And the two disciples came running to the tomb, wondering, did Jesus keep his promise? Did he really rise from the dead? And it said he peeked into the tomb, and the linens that were covering Jesus' dead body were folded up like, almost like a mockery to death, saying, you don't have anything on me. You can keep your death cloths and everything. Let me tell you, that is how much Easter means to us. Because we are not good enough. But I know without a shadow of a doubt, I am forgiven by Jesus. And when I die from this place, and I wake up in eternity, I know without a shadow of a doubt, I'm going to wake up in paradise with Jesus. This is the story of Easter, church. This is the story of Jesus. And because of that, no matter how bad you think you are or how good you think you are, we are all in need of forgiveness. And let me tell you, all you have to do is ask faithfully, Lord, would you forgive me? And let me tell you, Jesus keeps his promises. And he says, I will always forgive you when you come and repent before me. So let me tell you, today you can make that decision and you can repent and be forgiven. And let me tell you, you're not perfect after that. You keep messing up. I do. And every morning, every evening, I think, Lord, would you keep forgiving me? Would you, would you, Lord, I feel like, like, why would you forgive me? Like, I've done so much wrong, and this is my 15,000th time before you. God, would you keep forgiving me? Would you keep forgiving me? And every single time, Jesus says, absolutely. I love you that much. Of course I will forgive you. First Peter 1.3, let me end with this. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus from the dead. Let's try this one more time, church. Jesus is risen. Jesus is risen. Come on, church. He is risen indeed. This is the good news. This is why we celebrate. This is why I'm so passionate. And it's not just our good news, but it's the good news that we are commissioned to go out to the highways and byways and proclaim the gospel. Many of us, don't just leave this as a checklist. Take this and go tell someone about it. Let them know that the tomb is empty, that Jesus is not dead, but he is alive. And right now he's ruling and reigning on the right hand of the throne of God. And he's waiting for the day for his father to say, go back and bring my children home. Oh, doesn't that just make you excited? Oh, I love Easter. This is a celebration, church. So let's do this. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for this message. I thank you, Lord, for the good news. I thank you, Lord, that no matter how many times I come before you and ask for forgiveness, Lord, you do. And Lord, really, we have two people represented here this morning. We have the person who's going to experience your forgiveness and they're going to have a totally new life. But Lord, maybe some of us are the other criminal where we're saying, you know, God, I'm sorry. I don't want to, I want to stop asking you just to do things in this life for my benefit. But maybe, maybe you can start a relationship today. You see, I was that criminal on the other side scoffing Jesus. But then just through a simple prayer and living out daily, picking up my cross, my life changed completely. So 
So with head bowed, eyes closed. If you're just saying, you know what? I need that relationship starting today. I, I, I want to be with Jesus. I want to have that relationship. I just want to pray for you, but I, I want to know who I'm praying for. Will you just slip your hand up and say, no, that's me. That's me. I, I need that life of Jesus. Yeah, amen. Is there anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Amen. Amen. You know, I, I love this because even on the day of the crucifixion, the criminal, he didn't pray a flowery prayer. He didn't use big words and try to make it appear as a holy, holy prayer. He just simply said, Father, would you just remember me? You see, here's a prayer that you can pray, that I prayed. I just simply said, Father, would you make me clean? I got a lot of filth and I've got a lot of sin. And there's gonna be a lot of filth and sin in the future. And Lord, would you just continue to make me clean? Would you forgive me? Father, I thank you for this message. I thank you for the salvations, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you are up to something good and that today is Easter Sunday and that we can know walking around this place knowing that the tomb is empty and our God is alive and Jesus is risen and you are up to something good, Father. And oh, I love this. It's Easter. This is what this is about. Father, would you continue to speak to us over the next few moments. In your name, amen and amen.